Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Friday, the 23rd of September. I'm Nkem Ifejika. And I'm Eleanor Sherwood. Russia prepares to annex parts of Ukraine with referendums as many flee the country. So there is an enormous bottleneck on the Russian side. And uh, certainly the videos that I've seen on on Telegram channels show those enormous queues stretching for for many kilometres up to the border. And in Iran, the government tries to stop protests. The chant was, we, we will fight, we will die, we will get take back Iran. And it's just heartbreaking because the Islamic Republic's an authoritarian government and people are literally saying that they're willing to die for this cause of freedom, of change. Times of London Daily World Briefing. Russian-backed authorities in four occupied territories of Ukraine have begun holding referendums on whether they want to join the Russian Federation. Over a five-day period, the votes will take place in Luhansk and Donetsk in the east, which have been under the control of Russian-backed separatists since 2014. They'll also take place in Kherson and Zaporizhia in the south, areas which have been under Russian occupation since the invasion earlier this year. Some people have already been casting their votes, including Leonid Pesechnik, leader of the self-proclaimed Luhansk People's Republic. Today we are on the threshold of a great historic event. Today we all, including me, are opening a new page in our history. Today is the first day of the referendum and today we vote to join the Russian Federation. Analysts believe that an annexation by Russia would mean they interpret any use by Ukraine of Western-supplied weapons as an attack on Russian territory itself. Much of the international community has condemned the move as a sham. The United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, told the Security Council that the move was illegal. I'm also deeply concerned by reports of plans to organize so-called referenda in areas of Ukraine that are not currently under government control. Any annexation of a state's territory by another state resulting from a threat or use of force is a violation of the UN Charter and of international law. And Antony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, said the move should be rejected. It's imperative that every member of this council, and for that matter, every member of the United Nations, reject the sham referenda and unequivocally declare that all Ukrainian territory is and will remain part of Ukraine. And no Russian claim to annex territory can take away Ukraine's right to defend its own land. The Russian Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, was at the Security Council meeting. He defended the war in Ukraine and left as soon as he delivered his speech without listening to anyone else. Yulia Georgia is former deputy project manager at NATO Allied Command Transformation in Virginia and adjunct professor of European security at Georgetown University. 
She told Times Radio that Russia had done this before. In 2014, um, with Crimea and the um, illegal referendum um, there, what Putin is trying to do, both actually with mobilization, what we were discussing um, a minute earlier, and with these referenda, um, what we're seeing in this case is, um, is the fact that he is trying to compensate for losses. Meanwhile, Russian men of fighting age are scrambling to flee the country after President Putin announced on Wednesday that military reservists would be deployed to Ukraine. Queues have formed at the border into Georgia and Kazakhstan and flights out of the country sold out within hours of the president's address. Robin Forrestier-Walker has been reporting for Times Radio from the Russia-Georgia border. There are very few Russian cars making it across. So there is an enormous bottleneck on the Russian side. And uh, certainly the videos that I've seen on, on Telegram channels show those in your enormous queues stretching for, for many kilometers up to the border. The Russian border security is in no hurry to let these people through. As one Russian young guy told me, they, they do it, he said, to humiliate us. And this is the state of Russia that we live in now. And that's one of the reasons why he's chosen to leave. There are currently few places where Russians can still travel without visas or restrictions imposed during Western sanctions. Despite a pledge by Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister, that only men with combat experience would be called up to fight, military recruitment officials are apparently seeking to draft anyone they can get hold of. Videos on social media have shown men being taken by bus from their hometowns, with women and children crying as they leave. To Iran now, where the president has promised a probe into the death of a woman who was in police custody. Masa Amini's death has sparked one of the biggest protests in the Islamic Republic in over three years, reaching over 80 towns and cities. She was in custody for allegedly breaking headscarf rules. Iran's president has described the protests as unacceptable acts of chaos. Demonstrators have been seen torching police stations in neighborhoods, and at the time of recording, at least 17 people have been killed. The anger over issues such as restrictions on personal freedoms has been reignited, and women have played a crucial role in the protests. Holly Dagris is an Iran analyst and a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, which is an American think tank on international affairs. She told Times Radio that their message is key. They do not want to wear compulsory hijab. They're removing it. They're burning their hijab and they're cutting their hair in acts of defiance because hijab or the headscarf is seen as a tool of repression by the Islamic Republic. So there's that element. But more significantly, if you're listening to the chants, you're hearing Iranians, generally speaking, chanting death to the dictator, death to Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei and that they don't want an Islamic Republic. So to me, the fact that so many Iranians in various different small towns and cities are making the same chants and doing the same gestures is extraordinary. Authorities have rejected playing a role in Mizamini's death, claiming it's sudden heart failure. It's a conclusion which has been rejected by her father and protesters alike, who've pointed to reports of officers using a baton to hit Mizamini on the head and banging her head against one of their vehicles. But Nagar Mortzavi, a journalist with the Iran International podcast, told Times Radio she doesn't blame society for not trusting the state. 
regardless of how exactly Masa Amini died or what exactly led to her death, she died in police custody. And that's what's important. Even according to Iranian law, they were responsible for her health, her well-being, and essentially her life. And people have seen many images in the past of the morality police violently arresting people, beating them when they're throwing them in police vans where they're trying to take them to detention centers. So it's something that people have seen in the past. Nobody is surprised and they expect it. On Thursday, the country's intelligence ministry warned that attending the protests is illegal and demonstrators would face prosecution. Times of London Daily World Briefing. On the way, Japan reopens its borders and Ed Sheeran makes a surprise collaboration. Now to Syria, where 34 migrants have died after their boat sank off the country's coast. Volunteers were seen rescuing more people at the edge of the southern port city of Tartus. The Syrian Health Ministry confirmed 20 survivors are being treated in hospital. Rescue operations are ongoing to help more of those affected, as the boat was believed to be carrying between 120 and 150 people. Those on board said they had come from Lebanon, a country which has seen a sharp rise in migration as it faces one of the world's deepest economic crises since the 1850s. Because of COVID and the 2020 Beirut port explosion, more than 80% of Lebanon's population are now struggling to afford food and medicine. The country hosts the largest number of refugees per capita in the world, but many of them are now choosing to live elsewhere. At least seven people have died following landslides in El Salvador. Authorities said three children were among them. Their house in Panchamalco, south of San Salvador, was buried by the landslide. Coastal municipalities have been put on high alert because of the rains, which have been much higher than the average for this time of year. Fernando Lopez is the Environment Minister. Las zonas en donde más ha the areas where it has rained the most are those with more landslide risks and flooding risks. This year's rainfall is over the average in terms of rain quantity. We're reaching 1,751 millimetres until now, so we can say we're far over the average. Other Central American countries, including Honduras and Guatemala, are also struggling with heavy rains. We move next to Japan, which is reopening to vaccinated foreign tourists. The decision follows more than two years of closed borders due to the COVID pandemic. A cap on daily arrivals will now be lifted and tourists will be able to enter without a visa, but they will still need proof of three COVID jabs and a negative test to enter. The move comes as the Japanese yen has hit a 24-year low and the Prime Minister hopes it will boost the economy. Businesses and travel companies have previously called for a relaxation to border controls, saying restrictions were putting them out of step with other nations. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. On the goodbye of a tennis great, here's John Jackson. One of the greatest tennis players of all time, Roger Federer, will bow out of the game later as he plays the final match of his career in London. The 20-time Grand Slam champion has called time on his professional career at the age of 41 after multiple surgeries on a recurring knee problem over the last few years. While that injury means he's unable to feature in a singles match at the Lever Cup, he'll conclude the opening day alongside men's record 22-time Grand Slam champion Rafa Nadal as they face American duo Jack Sock and Francis Tiafoe. 
The three-day team event sees Europe take on the rest of the world, meaning Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray are also on Federer's side, something he's pretty pleased about. I am super excited to have them on our team, on my team, and not having to play against them on my last match. And of course, it's super special playing with Rafa one more time. I'm, th- I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. Like I said, I'll try my very best. Uh, of course, I'll enjoy it, but it will, be, it will be hard. His final match takes place on Friday evening at the O2 Arena in London. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Ed Sheeran says we've got to catch them all as he teams up with Pokemon on his latest single. The singer-songwriter says he's always loved the games and to say he was obsessed as a child is an understatement. Announcing the new track on Instagram, he said he jokingly discussed writing a song with Pokemon bosses when visiting in Japan. But it's become a reality and Celestial comes out next week. And finally, Tesla's recalling almost 1.1 million cars in the US because the windows could close too fast and pinch people's fingers. But it's not the first run-in it's had with federal safety regulators. In fact, the world's largest electric vehicle manufacturer has previously had to recall cars due to issues with rear-view cameras, seatbelt reminders and the sound systems. Chief exec Elon Musk is not happy with what he calls the fun police and says that to the best of their knowledge, there haven't been any injuries so far and the problems can be solved with a simple software update. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Friday the 23rd of September. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.